What's up, all my people out there in podcast land? Welcome to the Life in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper. The only show on the internet that has nothing to do with its title. Today is December 4th, 2021. It's a balmy 83 degrees outside here in South Texas. But I'm not complaining too much because 83 is nice. Although I'd like it to be a little bit cooler for the dead of winter. But we're not there yet, so I'll just have to be patient. Once again, I apologize for not being here last week. I'm the worst podcaster to ever exist in the history of podcasters. It's like I've said before, I'm not a podcaster. I'm just a regular dude who does podcasts. And if I could just walk into a studio, record, and get up and walk away, you would have gotten a podcast last week. But we're still in the intro, so I'm not going to go too far into that. Thanks again for listening to Life in Paradise podcast. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job with lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or two to get them off my chest. Chances are you're going to hear some opinions that you disagree with, and I'm okay with that. Because one thing that we can all do better is to disagree without being disagreeable. Got quite a bit of topics to cover today, so I'm going to get right to it. Sit back, relax, and let me fly the spaceship for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. Welcome back, guys. My apologies once again for missing yet another week. This is episode 97. Regardless of what your podcast feed says, somewhere along the lines they got all mixed up, but I've been keeping track on my end. This episode right here is number 97, and when I get to 100, I'm going to have a big party, and I'm just just kidding. Nothing special is going to happen, but I've once heard from a podcast wizard that you don't really consider your podcast anything until it hits 100 episodes so we can celebrate together three episodes from now i'm not going to say three weeks but three episodes we can celebrate i've got quite a few things to talk about today i actually thought about breaking it up into two episodes but i don't think i'm going to do that i'm just going to ramble on for a while so here we go (laughs) one thing that i forgot to talk about that happened to me a few weeks ago was I got stung by a slug that looks like Donald Trump's hair. (laughs) And I had never seen these things before. But apparently they're all over the place, but they never come out of the trees. So this creature was about a half an inch long, about a third of an inch tall, and it has this, it's covered like these blonde, coarse hairs that look like they're kind of combed over. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. If you want to look it up, I, I don't really know what they're called, but... I looked up like furry slug and some of the first things that popped up were like Donald Trump hair slug. So I don't, I don't remember the name of them, but if you want to look them up, you can see that. And you know, you probably have heard of these things and you're thinking to yourself, you idiot, how do you not know about these? So I was sitting at the picnic table outside doing something on a Saturday or Sunday morning and I felt something crawling on my arm. So I just, without even looking at it, I just reached down and kind of flicked it off. Well, I looked back up and it's crawling along my shirt. And I was like, what is that little creature? So I knocked it off onto the table. I started reading about them. And then I read a little note that said that they can sting you. And I thought, huh, that was weird. I guess he didn't sting me. Fast forward about five minutes. And the the spot where he was on my arm, it started turning red. It started burning like fire. And then it started itching. And I'm not joking. That little spot on my arm is still there. It was two weeks ago. It's still there. I don't want to gross anyone out, but it was like, it was giving off fluids. I don't want to say the P word, 
but it was like it was excreting clear fluid for like the majority of the day. And so, man, crazy. I, who knew such things existed? There's probably so many other things that live around me that I'm not even aware of. But it's crazy. If you get a chance, look it up. Donald Trump hair slug. You'll probably be amused. Speaking of slugs, I've been thinking a little bit lately, especially after there's uh, the school shooting happened. I don't, even, I don't honestly don't remember where it was or what happened. I just remember hearing about a story in the news about a school shooting where a student shot and killed three people, I think. And I don't spend too much time on these stories, reading them or learning about the details because none of that really matters to me. I'm kind of a big picture guy. And so while a lot of people think that the solution to stopping this violence is to take the tools away, I'm in a, of a different mindset. Now, before you shove me into the box of, you're just a right-wing conspiracy theorist gun nut, you people got to understand that there's a huge spectrum of people. And just because I don't think gun control works doesn't mean I'm a redneck conspiracy whatever you call them, okay? Sure, you can call me a redneck if you want to. I kind of take pride in that label. You know, if you're broken down the side of the road, you better hope a redneck stops to help you out. So going back to the, uh, the gun situation, I don't think that taking away guns would have much of an effect on, on criminalities. I don't think that making them more difficult to buy or having a longer waiting period will have an effect on gun-related crimes. This is my opinion. You don't have to agree with it, and I'm okay with that. But I want you to hear me out. Let's just say that one day we decide to go Australia and the government issues, a, I think they call it like a buyback program. Basically, it's a, it's a friendly way of saying, we're going to take all of your guns. And so let's just say that the government implements this buyback program, which let's keep in mind that Beta O'Rourke, this guy who's going to run for governor of Texas, has stated before, you're damn right we're going to take away your AR-15s without knowing what he's talking about. So let's just say that Beta wins the election and he sets out to grab all the guns and he convinces everyone that we should take all the guns and then this spreads throughout the country and everyone hands over their guns to the federal government. Do you know how many tons of steel that would be? How many tons of garbage waste that they'd have to dispose of? Well, let me just tell you. It's one million tons of steel. You take the average number of firearms per person and you do all the math you're left with a million tons of steel. Where are you going to put it? Are you going to melt it down? Are you going to recycle it? Who's going to pay for that? Are you going to pay for that? My whole point is taking guns away is not an option because there's too much. you have too much crap to dispose of. I know the gun topic is a hot topic, and we could go round and round, and everyone has their own theory, and that's okay. I'm perfectly fine with that. I just think that we could be more creative with our solutions and figure out how to get to the bottom of the problem. You know, there's, there's two different types of people out there. There's the kind of person who identifies a problem and just removes a piece of the equation so the problem can't exist, which works great, but people are resourceful. They'll find alternatives. They'll, they'll use something else instead of whatever it is you're trying to take away. And then the solution for that becomes, well, we're going to have to take the next thing away too. And if you start killing people with hammers, we're going to take those away. And then after that, if you start killing people with spoons, we're taking those away too. So it's just a vicious cycle of taking things away to try to control a problem. And the biggest issue I have with that is that it necessarily, by default, takes them away from people who respect them and, and understand them and don't use them for bad things. And if we look at the percentages, there's far more people out there who use guns correctly that know how to handle them, they grew up with them, then there are people who use them for bad things. And I don't think it's fair to remove them from the equation or to make them difficult to buy in order to stop such a small percentage of the people from abusing them. I mean, if we looked at the percentage of people who abuse alcohol, I don't know what it is. No matter what I told you, you could say that's not true. But we could probably both agree that it's a decent number of people in the U.S., who by definition are addicted to alcohol. But we don't take it away because we don't want to punish the people who aren't addicted to alcohol. And I feel the same way about guns. If you want to make a more thorough background check, that's fine. If you want to make it a little bit harder to buy a pistol, okay. If you want to make me wait 48 hours before I can take my gun home, whatever, I'm fine with that. 
I'm just saying that I think that will have no effect on the gun violence statistics. And if it comes down to it, I'd be willing to agree to follow some protocol as long as we could go back after a while and look at the results. If the results were working, we could leave it in place. If the results had proved to be insignificant, then we'd take it away. And I don't understand why we don't do this with more things. Because policy, like I always say, policies, rules should all be made based on statistics. Not how we feel when we hear about a 14-year-old student being killed at a school. Now, I recognize that's terrible. I understand it. I don't want that to happen either. Even though, Brendan, you don't even have kids. You can't talk about guns in school. You don't even have kids. Even though I don't have kids, I'm smart enough to understand how it works. I'm of the opinion that we should figure out why people think it's okay to shoot people. And we should look at the statistics of, okay, we take the whole population. Let's look at the biggest group of people who are shooting people. And let's figure out why they're shooting people. And let's see if we can get them on the same page to fix things. Because until people want to change themselves, change won't happen. You know, there's a funny meme that goes around. And it's, uh, it's like a teacher in front of a bunch of students. And, and the teacher's asking them, who wants change? And every student raises their hands. And then the next slide down below, it says, who wants to be the first to change? And no students are raising their hands. Because people who often want change, they want that to be brought out around them or brought about around them. They don't want to have to be the one to change. This same thing applies to let's tax the rich. Well, we all define rich differently. And I guarantee you the person who thinks we should tax the rich isn't in that tax bracket. Now, you'll find the cowboys out there go, that's fine. You can tax me. You can tax me all you want to. I don't care as long as it's going to good use but it's not going to good use. And you say that, but you're not voluntarily paying more in taxes than what you owe. So in order for you to be okay with that, I would have to see a tax increase and you willingly, happily pay the, the difference in taxes. So I really don't buy that. You know, that's fine. You can tax me more. I'm okay. I'm cool with that. No, I don't believe that. I believe that you're saying that. I mean, who in their right mind thinks the government is a good steward of money? Okay. We were talking about guns. Listen, my whole point is that I don't think taking guns away or making them hard to buy will do anything. Now, you can follow the same mindset, the COVID mindset, and say, we have to do something. We have to try something. You go ahead. Try all you want to. But if you take them away, where are you going to put them? And if you make them harder to buy, that's fine. Let's just go back and look at the statistics after a certain amount of time, which we should be doing that with every policy that we make. Because like I've said before, whenever there's a policy, there's always winners and losers. Someone always wins and someone always loses because the government is moving the money around with its invisible hand to place it where it wants it. And when it does that, it necessarily takes that money away from somewhere else. Everyone's okay as long as they're not the one who money was taken from. The title of this episode shall be called Thought Salad. So the other day, I was thinking about dogs. I, I don't know what it was. Oh, I think I saw an ad on Facebook. Adopt, don't shop for your dogs. And I thought, you know what? I think a lot about that phrase. I should probably talk about it on the podcast. And for those of you that know me, you know that I will spend money on a dog if I need to. If I want a dog that's going to do something, a dog for a purpose, then I'm happy to spend money on the dog. I have two dogs right now that are half lab, half golden retriever. They were, they were bred long before the doodle days. The days of the doodle, I had my dogs. Before, before the doodle days, my dogs were mutts, lab golden. For whatever reason, they come up with all these designer names, they're selling puppies, and people have gotten into breeding for profit. And this kind of ties into the whole the gun situation because when you breed for profit, if you're just trying to make money, typically you're not going to better the breed. And a good breeder will concentrate their efforts on figuring out what they can do to make the overall breed better, to make them have a more desirable temperament or to make them have more drive, more of a desire to do the work that they were bred to do. Or maybe you want to make them more calm. And so people who specialize in genetics and breeding, they're very good at this. And in my opinion, I think it's okay to buy a dog because you're supporting people who are taking breeding seriously. I think that the phrase shouldn't be, adopt, don't shop, it should be 
learn how to identify responsible breeders, and if there are none, or you can't afford one, then adopt a dog. Or maybe you don't care what your dog acts like, then go adopt one. But the overall notion, like, if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm not a big fan of people telling me what to do. So don't tell me where to buy my dog. If I'm going to go spend two, dollars $3,000 on a puppy, there's a reason for it. And let me do that. So let's encourage people to support responsible breeding or adopt dogs. Is that so hard? Because just like the gun situation, the breeders out there, the bad breeders gave the good breeders a bad name. If I'm going to spend money on a dog, I want to know that it's been well-bred. And by well-bred, I want to look at the... Mainly, it's about health. Health and temperament for me is what I'm paying for. I want a dog that's joints aren't going to break down. And there's tests that we can do to the parent dogs that give us probabilities of whether or not the puppies will have the same genetic issues. And a good breeder will have the, the dogs tested before they're bred. And if there's any kind of issues, they'll choose not to breed them. And that's great. That's what, that's what should be happening. We should use our selective breeding to determine the, the best kind of dog. But the whole thing of creating these designer breeds and calling them donkey poos or whatever, whatever the poo of the week or the doodle of the day, that kind of bothers me because it's, it's turned into a shit show, for lack of a better words. You have these people that saw what these dogs were selling for, and they thought, man, we should buy two puppies and breed them and make some money. But they don't know what they're doing. And I'm just going to say it. It's probably not a popular opinion. Every doodle I've ever met has had a pretty bad position. Maybe one or two out there that I can think of off the top of my head that, were, that had a nice demeanor, that were attentive, that could focus. A lot of them are just very wild. And if people were tuned in to behavior and temperament, more than likely we wouldn't be having these dogs that behave like idiots. Now, I understand a lot of that's how you raise them and socialize them and all that too. But I can tell a bad temperament when I see one. Typically. Typically. So the whole point of this section, don't tell people how to buy their dogs. If they want to shop, let them shop. Just encourage them to shop responsibly. Okay, enough about dogs. You didn't come here to hear me talk about dogs. Maybe you did, but probably not. I'm going to talk about a topic that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, and that's racism. And, and the reason that I want to talk about it is because I have, I have my opinions of it. I have what I think, how I think the world is, what's happening in our country. And I'm not going to go too far into all that right now. But I want to talk about the way that it gets viewed and treated and sensationalized and marketed and, and profited from. Because a lot of people look past this when they're, when they're consuming media. They take for granted that media is there to make money. And they don't think for a second, maybe this is just for profit. Maybe this stuff isn't true. Maybe they're trying to get people to click. Now, I'm just presenting a separate point of view. I'm not telling you how to think. I'm just giving you a point of view that maybe you hadn't seen yet. So let's think about racism. What is it and how does it make people feel? And it's hard to define because you can't really quantify racism. You can't. You could obviously say that someone is a racist if, they're, if they wear a KKK outfit, okay, and they walk around looking for black people to hang, then sure, you can say that they're racist. But if they make a comment or a joke or what they think is a joke, and it doesn't land well, that doesn't necessarily mean they're racist. That just means that maybe you have a different sense of humor. Maybe you have a different level of sensitivity. Maybe you have different levels of what you think is respectful and what you think is a joke, what you think is on limits and what you think is off limits. You know, comedians have long been able to push the boundaries. We're taking that away from them through cancel culture, and I do not like it. That's just kind of a side note. Comedians should be able to say whatever they want to without the cancel culture just coming at them because that's just a small group of people with a loud voice. It doesn't accurately represent a large portion of our population. But in my opinion... Accusing someone of being racist without knowing them is, in fact, racist. Or, or it's the equivalent of it. It's being judgmental without giving someone a fair shot. I mean, if you allow or if someone allows one person's behavior or words to determine if everything about their life is racist, that's rushing to judgment, in my opinion, 
I mean, obviously there's a, there's a threshold, right? There's certain things that we can all agree are acceptable, and there's certain things that we can all agree are unacceptable. And so where you put yourself on that threshold determines where, you, where you're willing to recognize racism and what you're willing to call it and what you're not willing to call it. And so I understand that everyone kind of has their own definition, but this is just another reason why I don't think it's fair to categorize someone with that, with that name, because I take it very seriously. I mean, that's something that, that's a, it's a bad word. Like, I don't, we don't need them. We don't need racists in the world of any shape or size or color. And to call someone that, to call them a Nazi, I mean, because they're affiliated with a political party, is just not fair. It's not fair. And I think that racism is something that's, that's either in your heart, like you either feel that way or you don't. I, don't. I don't subscribe to the theory that like, well, everything's just a little racist and we just have to be careful because we don't want to be racist and everything we say is racist. I don't think that like racism is built into systems and there's systematic racism. And when people write laws, they, they write laws to intentionally keep out the black people or the brown people. I don't think they do. There's no way to know for sure. I don't think they do because profits normally supersedes that. People are more concerned about their jobs and making money than they are excluding someone for the color of their skin. If you don't believe me, just look at the NFL. I mean, if, there were, if we had systemic racism in this country, then we would, we would exclude them from things that, that we didn't want them at, even though they make money. And so I know that's kind of a crude example, and that's not just how I view athletes. But you could say the same thing about a lot of positions. And people say, well, yeah, well, if you, if you make enough money, then you'll overcome your racism. I mean, whatever. You can think that if you want to, but I can think otherwise. And I think that the, the most business owners, like a vast majority of them, they want to hire whoever does the best work. The best person at that job is who they want. Helps the company. Helps them be profitable. Helps them pay their taxes. Helps them stay in business. And so my whole point is, let's just not call people racist so willy-nilly because it's a very, very firm and, and ugly characteristic. We shouldn't throw it around. We should save it for when we know that someone is actually racist because if we start throwing it around like the word stupid, then it doesn't really have any meaning. I mean, the word stupid is not, it's not that severe because lots of people say it. You call your friends that. And so it's kind of lost its value. And the same thing's going to happen with the word racist. It already is. There, there's people out there who just throw it around willy-nilly. In fact, I was accused of this week of being a racist. It's probably not the first time and it won't be the last. And I understand people are saying right now, well, that should tell you something. If you've been accused of, of being a racist before, then probably you're a racist. And I disagree with that. The reason I disagree with that is because we're now calling everyone racist for everything. So just like I just talked about, we're diminishing the meaning of it. So now you, you, can't, you can no longer say that. 30 years ago, had you been called a racist, they were probably right. So I'm going to break down to you what happened this week, and you can be the judge. So if you remember, I think it was my last episode I did, I talked about the Instagram Reels, where it gives you the ability to film someone, it mutes out the audio, and it inserts its own audio in the place of the recorded audio. So you can add little musics or phrases or sayings. And so you can capture someone's reaction. The, the, the audio that you select gets tied to their video. And then that gets shared on social media. So I picked this one that involved a cartoon character from a show called South Park. And um, it was a character named Cartman. And, you know, they had a lot of racial jokes on, on South Park. And I never even watched it that much. All my friends loved it. I just can't get into two-dimensional cartoons. So... I do think that if it was a racist show, it probably would have gotten canceled. So either way, that one of the characters on the show, they used him in, a, um, in an audio clip for a reel. And so I'm going to play it for you. So remember, you, you're, you're videoing someone, and you capture them on video while this is playing, and you sync it up accordingly. So uh, take a listen here. Scanning for Mexicans. We've got a Mexican! So... It's kind of funny to me. I don't know why, but it's funny because if it's a Mexican person, it's funny because it's like, dee, 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 scanning for Mexicans. Oh, we've got a Mexican. That's kind of funny. It's a funny thing. 
It's also funny if it's not Mexican, if it's someone else, because it's irony. And irony is funny. Irony has been used in humor for since the dawn of humor. Irony's been there. And so I made the little reel. Anthony was mopping the floor in the brewery, who happens to have black skin. Okay, he's definitely not a Mexican. He's got black skin. And so I thought it was funny, and I posted it. This is funny. We're scanning for Mexicans. We stop. Beep. We found a Mexican. Clearly, it's not a Mexican. It's irony. It's funny, in my opinion. Oh, there's like 13 people in Corpus who lost their mind, which I'm not worried about them. I just think it's kind of ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They said that I was a racist, a bigot. That, that, our, that our brewery oozes with racism, which is kind of funny because there's more minorities that work there than, than, than white people. And in this particular town, white people are a minority. Like, I speak Spanish fluently. I've, I've, I have nothing against minorities, but I don't engage with the people to, over social media. So there's all, you know, I say all these comments. I think this one particular guy, and you know the kind of guy I'm talking about. These are the people that get set off by everything, that they're never happy. They're always complaining about something, always dogging someone's business. Chances are they can't run their own business, so they beat up everyone else's. Said that the art and the barbecue under the, the, the roof at the brewery was the worst in Corpus Christi. Well, guess what he does? He's an artist. He tries to sell art. And for whatever reason, he doesn't like the fact that we sell art. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the guy. I've never met the guy. I don't care to meet the guy. Because he's not, he's not entering this criticism to improve anything or to get on the same page or to resolve conflict. He's just screaming from the mountaintops because he's so certain that we're some racist company that he thinks he can cancel us. That he can, he literally said, I hope people decide not to shop there and you go out of business. <laughs> What? What, dude? You don't know me. You don't know me. Now, I'm not going to be the guy who sits here and lists all the reason that he's not racist. Because that's, that's just kind of cheap to me. No matter what I say or what I did, you, you being, if you were the opponent, would say, well, okay, you want credit for all that stuff? What? Oh, you know how many black friends you have? Well, yeah, yeah well, you're racist. Well, you're racist. You're racist because you know that stuff. I mean, so I don't... What, what do you want credit? You want credit for doing nice things for minorities? That's racist. So, no, I don't. You can talk to someone who knows me, and they know the things I've done in the past, what I've done to help people, gone out of my way. But what I cannot stand is people jumping to a conclusion. So let's, let's, let's talk about that little video again, okay? So in this particular person's opinion, I wonder what... What I could have posted, am I allowed to use that audio clip or not? Am I just not allowed to use it because I'm not Mexican? Or does it need to be a Mexican in the video for it to be okay? Because I feel like that would probably be demeaning in this individual's point of view. So I don't know what I could do to make it right other than, sorry, you're white. You're not allowed to use that. And I'm not going to play by those rules. Another thing that this individual said who calls himself on Twitter, Mexican man child, which we won't even go into that, but let's just say that Mexican man child said that it was racist to post something saying that I was scanning for Mexicans and then showing someone who was mopping. And I don't understand that. I don't understand the mindset. In my opinion, the, the, then this person, this Mexican man child, is saying, oh, well, all Mexican people mop, and so you're making fun of them. <laughs> oh, really? All Mexican people mop? No, no, I didn't say that. You said that. And this is not a Mexican person. This is a person with black skin. And so, you know, I don't even know how to deal with these people other than say, all I do is publicly say to them, hey, guys, I think you're misunderstanding things. I would love to sit down and talk to you about this. You're a piece of shit. You just, you don't, you want to fight. You're not interested in hearing our point of view. And I think like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else I could say, guys. I mean, three or four of these purple headed people, probably with piercings in their face, were going off on me. And I said, hey, I'm not going to engage with you on here, but I'd love to sit down and buy you a beer. We can talk to this. I'd be willing to bet we'll be on the same page when we're done. And they just, they just keep screaming. And that shows me that they're not interested in anything other than making their voice heard. Because for whatever reason, it's very important to them. It's important that everyone knows their opinion, that they stand up for people. 
Little does this individual know that, like, I consider Anthony a friend, not just an employee. Like, he's someone that I enjoy seeing when he comes to work. We talk about our personal lives. We talk about things that matter. We laugh together. We play old music, and we play Name That Tune. And it really hurt my feelings for someone to accuse me of being racist when they don't know the details. They don't know the things that I do that, that what anyone could see would say, well, no, he's not, he's not racist. I mean, come on, look, look at all these other factors. So don't put someone in a position where they have to go, yeah, but I, I do this and, and I do that for, for black people and, and I speak Spanish and, and, and I love tacos too. I mean, don't put people in a position to do that. Why not go there and talk to the guy and say, hey, man, after I sat down with that guy, I know he's racist, okay? I talked to him. We talked. Here's the recording. We're going to stream it, and he's racist. So now you can go boycott his, his business. But until then, until you're 100% certain, it's just a shitty thing. It's a shitty thing to try to squash someone's business. And, and I get it. I understand that people can do bad things, and there are bad people out there, and that sometimes businesses should go under I'll be the first to admit, I would like to see Facebook go out of business. I'm not going to deny it. But do I go run around telling people that they need to contribute to helping me make Facebook go out of business? No, that's ridiculous. You know, I'm learning more and more about this type of person as I go through life and as I get older and I see them and they make themselves known. And they're really a threat to no one. Like, I'm not worried one bit about them having any effect on my business. I think there's literally like 13 of these people and Corpus Christi. And so are they going to have any one bit of effect on me? No, no, they're not. But they're a thorn in my side. They, they bother me like a pimple on my nose. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of dealing with people like that. And I know that some people, their solution would be, well, maybe you shouldn't post things that could be considered racist until people know you. And my response to that is like, I shouldn't have to pretend what I think is funny because I don't want to be judged by people. Because that's what's gotten us to the situation where we are. People are so nervous about offending people or bothering people that they're altering their behavior. And I'm not willing to do that. And I realize that some people are. One of our brewery employees was genuinely terrified. Someone sent her a, a link on Twitter the night this was all happening. And she screenshotted it and sent it to me, my business partner, Kale, and said, just so you guys know, this is kind of going viral. And I looked at it on Twitter and it had like 70 views. And I thought to myself, like, this is not viral, guys. This isn't viral. I mean, you know what? You know what I kind of wish? I kind of wish the news would have picked it up. If we're all being honest, I kind of wish it would have gone viral and that people would have come talk to me because that would have given me a platform to put my voice out there and maybe some people would have heard it and changed their mind. Maybe some people would have come to my defense and said, dude, I know this guy. I've worked for him for three years. He's not racist. Shut up. Go home. But either way... I think it's ridiculous to just run around accusing people of things. You know, I feel the same way about these court trials. It's not fair to say he's guilty or he's innocent. Either way, I don't think you know enough information. You know what else I feel this way about? Climate change. Yep, climate change. If you ask the average person whether or not they believe in climate change, it 100% will correspond with their political leanings. 100%. Okay? And that shouldn't be that way. It should not be that way. We shouldn't align our viewpoints of politics combined with our social, our social viewpoints or how we feel about things that are happening around us. I mean, that, that's not political. It just goes to show you that we're, we're all trapped in a little bubble where we're just being fed the information that we regurgitate and absorb, and it comes in and goes out. And we don't have a perspective on things. And I'm not excluding myself from this group. Because I'm sick and tired of seeing people post things that I disagree with. So I just delete them or block them. We have to be okay saying, I don't know, I need to investigate further. If you ask someone how much research they've done on climate change, it, whether they tell you they believe in it or they don't believe in it, most of the answers will be zero. Well, I mean, I just, you know, I just trust, I trust the science. The science says it. Oh, yeah? How much science have you read? How many hours have you put into it? Because honestly, if I'm going to approach a topic and I know enough to know that I don't know, I will put at least 10 hours into it before I can take a side. And I've never done that with climate change. I've never done it. So I'm not going to take a side. I didn't take it. I didn't put 10 hours worth of work into studying the Rittenhouse case. So I'm not going to take a side. If you do, if you're so hell bent on taking a side before you've done your research or you're knowledgeable about, about the situation, 
You need to check yourself. Check yourself. Now, I would be lying if I didn't say there was a part of me that wanted to see Rittenhouse free. But it wasn't that I wanted to see him free. I, I always hoped for a fair justice system. And so I hoped for that it was a fair trial and it was accurate and they found him innocent. And the reason for that is because I think that these high-profile court cases kind of set the precedence for behavior. And so I would rather see it kind of go back and forth this person wins, you know, this group of people's team wins one time and this group of people's team wins the other time. Once again, it's most important that it's a fair trial, but I think a balance is, is probably best because we don't want to get in the groove of saying, well, they always let white people go or they always let black people go or they always convict white people or they always convict black people. I'll never forget how many people were going nuts when, when OJ was, was acquitted for murder and I just remember thinking, I was younger too, I remember thinking, how can these people be so sure that he didn't do it? And if they knew that he did it, would they still be cheering? And that's what you have to ask yourself. If you knew that the trial was wrong and the outcome was incorrect, would you still be cheering for them to go? And if you're honest and you say yes, that's fine. Just be honest about it. I know, I kind of went into the weeds there. So anyway, the whole... Racism thing is over with, I hope, for now, to, to, until they grab onto something next time, you know. Um, yeah, so surely there will be something else come up. Stay tuned. I'll fill you in. They're not going to cancel me. The last time they did this, like, it was on a Thursday, and the Friday following that was, like, our best Friday ever. So those little people have zero effect on me, other than raising my blood pressure a little bit. But it gives me a good opportunity to come here and to talk to you guys about these things that I'm dealing with and hopefully add a little bit of perspective as to why I feel the way that I do. And for my next trick, I'm going to talk about the crypto bubble. You just thought you were going to make it through a whole episode without me talking about crypto. That's not going to happen. So right now, <laughs> the price of everything is crashing. I think it's down like 10 or 12% from yesterday. So a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace right now. I think Bitcoin is right around 49 or 50,000. So quite a bit down from its high of 70, 69 to 70,000 a few weeks ago. Uh, I would encourage people to go buy. Go buy. Don't let the fall scare you. Let the fall in price motivate you to get up for a better deal. It's on sale. Go buy some. If you need recommendations, you can email me, brandontheharper at gmail.com. I don't check it too often, but I'll check it and get back to you. If you need help buying crypto, let me know. Okay, let's talk about the bubble. You heard, you've heard a lot before about the crypto bubble and the equities market um, and all the money that's been pumped into the economy, but how does it all kind of fit together? So I'm going to do my best to explain it. I don't have this scripted or bullet pointed, but I'm going to just flow off the cuff. Obviously, if you think back to the pandemic, tons of money was printed, money created out of thin air by the federal government and pumped into the economy. The intentions of this were to keep small businesses from going under, to support families that were sitting at home, because of this deadly, deadly virus that was going around and was just decimating the population. Oh, yeah, I know. I know it was only 0.015% per year. But either way, we made all these drastic moves to slow down this virus that everyone's terrified of. So fast forward a year. Uh, we have tons of money out there. Everyone has money. Everyone's flush on cash. Interest rates are low. When this happens, and you start seeing a lot of investing, okay? The cryptocurrency marketplace about three weeks ago, had a total valuation of about $3.1 trillion. That means if you add up all the value from all the cryptocurrency, all the individual shares or tokens, as we call them, you'd end up with a total of $3.1 trillion. That is a lot of money. And without going into too many of the details, those are kind of like stocks. So think of it as when someone buys a token, the first time when the company releases them, that money goes back to the company as cash, and they have the ability to do things with it, invest it, pay off debt, whatever they need to do. So it's just kind of like an IPO, initial public offering. Selling stock for the first time, the company gets all the money. From that point forward, they have a reserve of, of leftovers. So think of it like this. If you're a company and you, you produce a million shares of stock to sell, but you only keep or you keep 500000 and you only release 500000 And so at any point in time in the future, when you need money, you could sell off your tokens. If you have some cash and the price of them go down, you can buy them back if you're the company owner. And so what you're seeing was people 
taking all their stimulation money and all their COVID money and their PPP money and their EIDL money and all this ERTC money, and they're pumping it into equities, which is basically you're, you're owning parts of businesses just for simple, simple terms right now. So people are buying stocks and they're buying cryptocurrency. They're also buying real estate, which is why the price of real estate was going up. But we're talking about crypto right now. So $3.1 trillion worth of value. Now, at some point, these companies or these blockchain developers are going to need to still pay their debt. They're going to need to generate money somehow. It's still so early in the design and development process that they're nowhere near profitable. So they're still figuring things out, understanding how the technology works. Well, all that costs time and money. You have to pay someone to work on your project. And eventually, if you're not producing revenue, if you're not making money as a business, and you don't have any more tokens to sell or stocks, either one, and the value of what's out there starts to go down, you will run out of money as a business. And if you can't find anyone to loan you money or invest in your company to keep you going, you'll just have to shut down. And so this is what I see coming in the world of cryptocurrency. And this is exactly what happened in the dot-com bubble in the mid to late 90s. There's all these companies popping up, doing great things, working on this project called the internet. Well, then all of a sudden, investors realized, oh man, the competition is abundant. We're not making a lot of progress and values started slipping. And when values started slipping, people start flipping. <laughs> they start flipping out. They want to sell. They want to preserve whatever profits they've made so they sell as fast as they can. Whenever you flood the marketplace with something, what happens to the price? That's right. It goes down. Price goes down. And so eventually these companies run out of money to produce something that they hope will be big in the future, and they go away. Everyone loses all the value of their tokens, and the strong ones will make it, and the weak ones will not make it. And so I think that the crypto bubble right now is so big. Well, it's, you know, it's only a bubble when it pops, right? So the crypto sphere, the whole world of cryptocurrency, is big enough now to drag down the rest of the equities market with it. And what that means is if I'm an institution, if I have JP Morgan and we've got you know, $20 million in Bitcoin, and all of a sudden that that $20 million, poof, evaporates or turns into 15% of it, if it goes down, loses 50% of its value, and now the value of your $20 million investment is $10 million, well, that's going to affect the profitability or the, the outlook for the future of that company, which is traded on the stock market. So people who are investing in J.P. Morgan understand that J.P. Morgan has $20 million in the crypto world. Well, the crypto world gets cut in half. Now J.P. Morgan only has $10 million. So their shareholders on the stock market side say, whoa, 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 they just lost $10 million. I don't want that stock anymore. I'm going to sell it. And then they go to sell it. The thing is, nobody wants to buy it because nobody wants to buy a stock of a company who just lost $10 million in an investment. And so this turns into this, this vicious cycle or like a, a cyclone spinning around and around and around. It just gets more intense as things start falling. And so I've been racking my brain about this, trying to grab my head around it because we all can admit that we're kind of in a bubble right now. Not, not kind of, we are. And it is caused by the, the creation of money. The money supply is swelled up. And with a more supply of money out there, it decreases the value of it. So that's called inflation. It's when the price of goods has to go up. Because the, the relative amount of money to the relative amount of goods and services goes up. But you can't produce more goods and services. So you have to increase the price of those in order to maintain the resource allocation. Simple economics. Econ 101. So anyway, going back to the crypto bubble, I think eventually what's going to happen is that these, these blockchain projects, are, their progress is going to slow down a little bit and the inflation is causing the cost of things to go up. People will sell off their crypto. They will sell off their equities, pushing the price down of the value of, of the equities. So I think that's what, what is going to happen. I don't know when. I don't even want to begin when to guess. Uh, there was a huge crypto crash Last night, it fell from, I don't know, I want to say like 62, 63 to 44,000 in like 20 minutes. So that's a huge swing. Um, cryptocurrency is always volatile, but this was a big one. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I still say buy. Like if you're buying all the time, whether it's going up or whether it's going down, 
you'll be fine because they average out. It's people who try to predict the market and time the tops and bottoms that end up getting wrecked because you'll never get it right. Never, ever, ever will you guess it's about to fall or it's about to spike. Moral of the story, just keep buying. Just keep buying Bitcoin and Ethereum. Don't stop. A little bit, little bit a week, a little bit per day, whatever it is, just keep. Buying. And that's, that's because I have long-term faith in it. I know that they will, everything's going to crash. I don't know how low it's going to go. I don't know when it's going to happen. So since we don't know that, just keep buying and it will all work out. Now, I do think that the, a lot of these guys will go away eventually. A lot of these, there's like 13,000 cryptocurrencies right now. So there's not room in the marketplace for all of them. Um, as we go forward, the bigger ones will get bigger and the smaller ones will go away, just like the dot-com bubble. Speaking of fearless, powerful, intimidating leaders, here's a gem for you. Wages are rising. What kind of income? income is up. Wages are rising. Disposable income is up. Disposal? Wages are rising. Disposable income is up. Wages are rising. Disposable income is up. Wages are rising. Disposable income is up. Wages are rising. Disposal income is up. Disposal? Or do you mean disposable? Disposal? 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 Disposable? Disposal. Disposable. Okay? This is an example of someone whose mind is going. This is the example of someone who's getting very old. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Everyone gets old. It is okay. I love old people. I really do. I love them. I would not make fun of them unless they deny that they're old and they're in a position of power where clearly, clearly they should not be there. That's my opinion. You do not have to agree with it. That's okay. I understand there's people out there who think Joe Biden is a badass. I understand there's people out there who think that he can run the country with one arm tied behind his back. And you know what? We're all entitled to our opinions. But you cannot deny that that is the voice of a person with a mind who's slipping. I mean, you can deny it. You can deny whatever you want to. You can deny that the sky's blue. But it would be a lie. And you know what's really funny? Is that it doesn't stop them. People, people deny what they know is a lie. And they just keep denying it. That's a pathetic, pathetic situation to be in. Pathetic person to be. And I know he stutters. But he stutters. He has a speech problem, speech impediment. He stutters. He maybe he stutters. But go back and compare his old speeches to his new speeches, and you will hear the difference. And you will hear the fact that it sounds like the man has marbles in his mouth. Okay, that's not from any other reason other than your cognitive ability. And you probably don't understand this if you've never been around someone who's growing old. That's, that's, that's all I got to say. That's all I got to say about that because my disposal income is going up. Well, guys, I said I was going to go extra long. I didn't go extra, extra long, but I went kind of long, if you know what I mean. So I still have like six more topics. I'm going to save them because I'm sick of sitting here talking into a microphone. So I'm going to save them. I might try to do it tomorrow, Sunday. Today's Saturday. I might do it Sunday. I might not. I might never do another podcast again. Who knows? But I am about to have some hammocks for sale. You'll hear about it some more, but I've ordered my first lot. I've got some coming from Nicaragua and some coming from China, and they're both two very different hammocks with two different purposes. I've got a website that's being built. I've got some photos that are going to be taken. As soon as I get them, they're going to be for sale, and I'm going to pump them on here. Other than that, I'm not going to talk about anything else. I'm going to sign off. Thanks again for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. You're a one-stop shop. For a guy who talks about everything and nothing at the same time. Thanks again. I appreciate it. I want everyone to go out there. Be brave. Don't be scared to tell the jokes that you think are funny. Don't hide from worthless accusations. Don't change your behavior because you're worried what someone will think. If you're confident in who you are and what you do. Hold the door open for people. Let old people go in front of you in lines. Be extra kind to a dog. Get some exercise and reach out to somebody this week that you haven't talked to in more than a year. With that, I'm signing off. Thanks again for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper. Until next time, keep it tranquilo.
find serenity. Oh.